Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric, discipleship pastor here at New Life Lutheran Church. Thanks for listening. Today on the podcast, we're hearing our sermon from the first Sunday of Christmas, where Pastor Ben teaches on the circumcision of Jesus, the importance of covenants, and the importance of memory. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Podbean. Our scripture today comes from the second chapter of Luke, verses 19 through 21. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. Well, I can hardly believe, but it has been six weeks as we began this journey through this Christmas series called Christmas Traditions. And we've been using it as a tool to walk through Advent and now this Christmas season. And what we've been doing is looking at all the details and all the specifics of the Gospel of Luke and seeing how the story of Christ and all the stories leading up to the story of Christ and the birth of Christ actually seem a lot like the life that we experience today. There's a lot of those anxieties and worries and concerns that they had that creep into our Christmas experience. In fact, there's a lot of the things that they did in that first Christmas that actually had become traditions in our life. Things like Christmas cards, of course, Christmas stress, spending time with family, sharing stories, and even the exchanging of presents all find their origins and find connections to this original first Christmas story. And if you're confused by all those correlations, it means that you probably missed Maybe a sermon or two along the way, but don't worry, you can go to our website and catch up if you're, you're really curious, because this is part six, which means there's five sermons leading up to this conversation this morning. But today, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the Christmas tradition of Christmas photographs. That's right, standing in front of the tree, standing in front of the fireplace, you're all wearing plaid or pajamas for some reason with cute little sayings on them. Or at least you're dressed up, matching, so everyone seems to fit, and it's all perfect, and you snap that photo. But really, it's not about the photo, is it? It's really about the memories that you're trying to encapsulate in that moment. It's the same thing with videos. It's the same thing with journaling or guestbook, maybe at your house. See, when the family arrives or or friends arrive for Christmas, you don't want to forget these very special memories. And so you take out your phone or you take out your camera and you start snapping photos. You snap photos of the games you're playing, of the people who are there. You snap photos of the presents being opened. You snap photos of the food being eaten. And every special activity that you do, whether it's looking at Christmas lights or just driving to the movie theater to watch a Christmas movie, you take photos of the whole thing. Because you want something tangible, something physical to hold on to that you can remember that moment and have that memory. And year after year, you can go back into your photo book 
You can look in your frame or you can look in your phone and you can see those special memories that were developed on that Christmas morning or during that Christmas season. The same thing is true about videos. If you guys are into recording things on your phone or recording on your camcorder, you might have recorded your grandkids opening presents or your kids opening presents this year. And you got the the perfect look on their face when they opened that ideal gift, the thing that they had been asking for, but they never thought you would buy for them. And they open it up, and the look of joy on their face is recorded forever on your phone or your camcorder, and it's just perfect. Something physical you can go back to time and time again and remember that moment and have that very special memory. For some of you, though, it maybe was the opposite effect, and you thought you had bought the perfect gift for that granddaughter, and you recorded it, and the look of sadness on her face when she opened the exact opposite thing of what she wanted is also recorded for all of eternity. And uh, five years from now, you'll be able to laugh about that. It's going to be okay. But right now, it's not, we're not quite there yet. But for some of you, you don't do the pictures and you don't do the video recording, but maybe you have a guest book or you have a journal. And you write down all those special memories and all those special conversations of this Christmas season of who came and visited you during Christmas, what presents were exchanged, what family members could attend, what family members couldn't attend, how special the services were during that time or the interactions that you had. And you write it down in your journal or you have a guest book so you know exactly who was at your house on what date. And the reason you do that is because you want a physical copy, a memory that you can look back to, that you can reference and remember that these very special moments happened in your life. And I'm sure that during this Christmas season, you've had a lot of very special, memorable moments. And in the church, we've had a number. This has been a busy season for us, and a lot of great memories were made, and you were probably a part of many of those things. We had the cantata, who can forget that? We had the winter rose that was sung here after being sung at Carnegie Hall. They came all the way back from New York to sing for us, to do their homecoming tour, and to proclaim the beautiful message that Christ is the winter rose who came and died so that we might bloom. And they shared that story, and many of you were here. It was very full that Sunday afternoon, and afterwards we had some treats. It was just a perfect memory. And for many of you, you took pictures and you have videos, so you can hold on to that moment and remember that moment for the rest of your life. Well, it wasn't a week later that we had Jason Gray and some of his friends come in, top-tier Christian artists from Nashville, join us and also sing very familiar Christmas songs and some of their own Christmas songs. And they read through the story about the nativity and all the characters in the nativity story. Talked about how each one was unique and how each one would think as they interacted with the Christ, how they interacted with Mary and Joseph. They sang songs. It was another great night. And many of us recorded little videos on our phone and uploaded them to the internet so we can watch them on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and maybe all these things you don't even know what I'm talking about and that's fine. But those videos are there now as a permanent marker of that very special night when we had to bring in more chairs to fit all the people because there was 500 people stuffed in here as Jason Gray and his team shared the gospel message through the story of Christ's birth. And then a couple weeks later, it was Christmas Eve. And many of you were here. We had almost 500 people here once again between the two services. And who can forget holding up the candles for silent night? A special memory each year, a tradition that we hold to as we sing the song and hold the light up, reflecting Christ's light in our life and the collective light that we have through Christ. And many of you snuck up your phone 
when all those candles were up. So you could take this amazing picture of all these candles lighting up this dark room, little candles creating that collective light. So you have a permanent memory. Or maybe you journal about it later, about how special that evening was. And you'll have a permanent documentation of this memory. Well, Luke documented many memories as well. Specifically, many very special memories of one young mother who had just given birth. And he records it like this in his gospel writing. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, here's the truth about mothers that I've learned. Here's the truth about mothers that you've already known. And if you're a mother, of course, you already know this. I'm just too naive to have learned it late in life. But the truth is, if you want to know all the details of the birth of a child, you do not ask the dad. And many of you made that mistake already. You came up to me and you said, hey, when your son was born, how long was he? How big was he? You know, all these details that I don't know. And I said, I don't know. Ask my wife, right? Ask mom. She knows all these things because this is what I remember of that birthday. I remember taking them to the hospital. Don't remember a lot in the middle. I remember they served me food. That was nice. And then I took them home. That's my memory of the day. But Ashley has every detail memorized. She can tell you how big each one of our kids were, how much they weighed, how long they were, what their head size was, what moment of the day they came and breathed their first breath on this earth. These things, I do not know. I'm lucky if I get the birthday right, probably not even the year, but if I can get the date, that's doing pretty good. But mothers are different. Mothers have this special way of remembering all of those intimate details. So we see Mary doing exactly that. Mary, who has just given birth, she's sitting there in the quiet. We know Joseph is probably asleep and snoring in the corner, right? But Mary, she's awake because she's caring for her newborn son. And she's holding him and comforting him and caring for him. And every two to three hours, feeding him and changing his diaper. He's a normal human baby, right? But in that moment, through the fatigue, through the joy, through the pain, through all the things that she's experiencing in those first days of life of her new son, she's remembering and she's replaying. And she's thinking through everything that led to that moment. She's remembering when she first was engaged to Joseph, a man she hardly knew, but now a man she can hardly live without. She remembers when the angel came to her and told her this terrifying yet amazing news that she would be the mother of the Lord, that even though she was a virgin, she was going to have a child. She remembered going to Joseph and having to tell him this truth and was so afraid about how he would respond. She remembers and she replayed the moment when she went out to see her relative Elizabeth and spent time with another woman who was pregnant and they shared their miraculous stories. They shared their stories of interactions with angels and what God had promised them through their kids. She remembered the long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because the emperor had issued a decree and so they had to go. And she remembered the bumpy road and the uncomfort of walking and riding and the waddling that a late-stage pregnant woman does. She remembers arriving in Bethlehem and there was no ideal room for her to give birth, so they ended up in a stable. 
And she remembered all the details of Christ's life. She remembered his first cry, his first word, the first time he crawled, the first time he took a step, his first teacher in school. She remembered all the details because that's what mothers do. So it makes sense when Luke went to write his biography of Christ. Luke the doctor, Luke the man of science, Luke the skeptic, who wanted to go out and verify beyond a shadow of a doubt that this amazing story of a man who lived a perfect life, who went to the cross and was resurrected, he wanted to verify that this story was true. And so he engaged with the prophecies, the predictions of thousands of years before Christ to see if they were true, and he found that they were verifiably true. And so he started interviewing all the people who had interacted with Christ, including the disciples. They heard their stories. And he began to write down their stories. He interacted with early Christians who had seen Christ after the resurrection, and he had verified that that was true. And then he went to Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who remembered all the details that no one else cared about. And he listened to her story, and he began to write them down including stories like this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. See, as Mary remembered these turn of events and this new baby boy and all the interactions, how could she forget strangers showing up on her doorstep? How could she forget shepherds Men, blue-collar men who lived out in the fields with their sheep, who smelled like sheep and the byproducts of sheep. They lived out there to protect them, to watch over them, and rarely came into town. But when you would expect family to show up, and when you would expect close friends to show up, in walks these strangers with an amazing story. Strangers who probably didn't smell great, who probably didn't look great, But they said, an angel told us to come here. An angel said, go to Bethlehem and find a baby. That's not that weird. But you're going to find him in a manger. Now that was verifiable. That was interesting. That was specific. And so they came to Mary and they found the babe exactly as predicted. And they engaged with Mary. And you got to imagine the look on Mary's face when one of those dirty shepherds reached out their hands and says, can I hold your brand new baby? And Mary was probably holding Jesus a little bit tighter in that moment. But the shepherds came, and the shepherds interacted. And the shepherds told Mary their story, and when they left, they celebrated. How could a mother forget? The sound of a town celebrating the birth of your little boy. And how could a mother forget all these other very specific details like this? On the eighth day, When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. See, as Luke writes this, he becomes the only gospel writer who records this section of scripture, this story, this piece of Christ's life. You see, something that's so special to a mother and so significant spiritually was really commonplace in that day. If you were a Jewish boy, It was expected that you'd be circumcised on the eighth day. That was the commandment. That was the covenant. It was given by God to Abraham, and everyone past that point followed that because they did not want to be cut off from the people. They wanted to be connected to God. 
So what was so spiritually significant was commonplace, was normal, was not worth recording in probably many people's perspective because every Jewish boy was circumcised. This was not an option. This is what everyone did. Every parent brought their child forward to connect them to the covenant, to connect them to God, to connect them to the faith. And Jesus was no exception. Mary and Joseph, being good Jewish people, brought their child forward to be circumcised, to be connected to a covenant that this child began. And as he shed his first blood, he was given his name, Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, a name that means Savior. And when Mary looked up at the cross and she watched her son bleed for the last time, she understood what that name meant. That Jesus, the Savior of the world, the blessing promised for all nations through Abraham, through the original covenant, that Jesus had fulfilled it all. That Jesus had paid for the sins of all of humanity on that cross. And it all made sense to a mother who was looking at the cross and thinking through the whole life of her son. You see, as we interact with this story, as we interact with this short but yet complicated piece of scripture, we see this truth, that photos are made for memories. See, just like your Christmas traditions, whether it's a video or a journal or a camera shot or a a cell phone shot, whatever that is for you, the reason you have these physical things that you hold on to that record memories is not to be a professional photographer. It's not to get your family in a frame at Walmart. It's not to get your family on the face of a magazine. The point is so you have memories forever. So you always remember who you are and whose you are. In the same way, our Christian traditions do the exact same thing. In the same way, the covenant, the old covenant, circumcision did the exact same thing. It was a way that families brought their child forward. Even though they would not have a memory of this moment, they had a physical mark. And year after year after year, the father and mother and those who were influential in that child's life would remind them of who they were and whose they were. And it was this covenant that Christ received that would point towards the new covenant that Paul talks about in Colossians when he says this. In him also, you are circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. You see, it's through baptism, it's through another physical process that we hear the spiritual truth, that we learn who we are and we learn whose we are. And it doesn't matter if it's sprinkling or pouring or dunking or what age, but if you're old, you actually remember what the pastor said. You probably remember him saying, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then dunking you or sprinkling on you or pouring on you or whatever was the process. You remember the temperature of the water. You remember who was there. You have all these memories based off a physical act of Christ connecting you to the faith, 
of Christ telling you who you are and whose you are. And the same will be true of my, my little son as I take him to the baptismal font in second service. He's not going to remember it. Just like many Jewish boys obviously didn't remember their circumcision. He won't remember that moment. But I will. And there'll be plenty of photos taken by family members and friends. And there'll probably be some videos taken by family members and friends. And he'll be able to watch those year after year if he chooses. And he'll have a candle that's lit on this day. And we will light it again on his baptismal birthday. And he'll have a certificate telling him he was baptized. And he'll have a dad and mom and sponsors and you, hopefully, reminding him every step of the way of who he is and whose he is because of what Christ, the ultimate gift, did for him on the cross. So this Christmas season, as you experience all these traditions and you snap photos and shoot videos and and journal about all the special things and all the memories that you want to hold on to forever, the most important thing that you can hold on to as a believer is what Christ has done for you. And remind yourself each and every day of who you are and whose you are.